For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Jacob Daniel here. This is the Daniel Three Podcast. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, gonna go back into a uh, little bit of an introduction here. Um, uh, haven't announced. I haven't talked about this in a while, so I just wanted to put it back out there again. Uh, the current format for the podcast is that the live stream, uh, you know, is there for everybody to watch. Of course, uh, after the live stream ends, the next day it'll be uh, private. Uh, for the first three days and only available to my Patreon supporters, which you can subscribe if you want to at patreon.com slash biblical anarchy. Um, also, same goes for those who consume the audio only portion. You can either subscribe on Patreon or you can subscribe um, on the redcircle.com app, um, which uh, let's look up biblical anarchy on there. Or uh, I usually have a link in the show notes and stuff you can click on to watch that um as always biblical uh, daniel318.com is the website um and i haven't plugged it in a while so i'll plug my good friend uh will's rabbit eye uh blueberry wine um this is some fantastic stuff i went through a few bottles of it during the holiday season um so if you're even if you're not a big wine drinker and i don't really consider myself somebody who usually drinks wine but uh, th- this stuff is 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 pretty good. I like it. I get the semi sweet. Um, I like to have a little bit of that that like you know sour and a little bit of that sweet mixed in. But they have a sweet, a semi sweet, and then the straight dry. Uh, I plan on trying the dry next because Will tells me that it's actually pretty decent. So I don't know. I'm usually a whiskey guy, but uh, I'm a little fruity now, I guess. <laughs> so. Um, with that, I guess that's all the introductions and formalities done. Um, guest for tonight, uh, is a returning guest. Um, he is, uh, the founder of the GOP Mises Caucus, the host of Popular Liberty, and his name is Andrew. Andrew, thanks for coming back on, man. Jacob, yeah, glad to be back. Thank you. Yep. So, um, we, uh, had a pretty good conversation the last time you were on, but we, we talked well, a lot about pop. Andrew. 
Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah right. That was evil, now you're, Andrew. Right, true. And then, you know, we were talking about politics. So of course, you had to be evil, Andrew, and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. tonight, I'm hoping we can get more into the fun stuff, which we, we got a little bit into last time. We got a little bit into the, the religion and philosophy stuff. And, you know, as much as we both, you know, we engage in the political realm and do that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it's, it, I, I get the sense you're the same as me where, uh, it's not really fun. It's more of a, well, I have to do this, so yeah. I'm going to do it and I want to do it well, but, uh, it's a lot more fun and, and personally edifying to, to have conversations about faith and, and religion and, and kind of like, well, I consider politics, you know, a branch of religion. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know, we can get and, into that. Well, also the, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel you when you say, you know, I feel like I'm dragged into it. Believe me, there was nothing I would want more than to just be like, a Jason Stapleton kind of guy where I just want to, you know, focus on making money and having a good life. Sure. But, you know, unfortunately there are people out there at the left who will not leave me alone. <laughs> and so yeah. I feel, I, I feel a lot like, uh, no, you know, wasn't, uh, yeah. Gideon, yeah. Basically Gideon from the Bible and, or may, or maybe perhaps Jonah or a guy's like, Hey, I need you to go do this. Like, no, Oh, yeah, I don't right. Want to. They left us a terrible place. <laughs> Yo, know, uh, yeah, I I feel like Jonah a lot sometimes, where mm-hmm. I'll just be like, and, and, you know, people will make suggestions to me, and it's like, you know, kind of like, you know, God never. I mean, sometimes, but but very rarely does God actually do what He did with Jonah and come down and like just to your face tell you tell you you're going to do something. He usually speaks through like your 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 yeah. spouse or your family or your friends or circumstances, yeah. and you feel uh, but, it in your heart and you know it. Yeah, yeah, but you know sometimes we we tend to be stubborn like Jonah, and we uh, and then we find ourselves and like, oh man, why is all this crap happening to me? And God's like, well, um, I told you to do this, and you're not doing it. You're like, ah, oh, crap. All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, but that's that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, the uh, crap, I had something I was gonna. You were saying how, yeah, how these uh, religion discussions are, you know, much more edifying and much better. Um, well, then, and then you you brought up uh, you said politics is a branch of religion. Maybe maybe it's a good place to start. What do you what do you mean by that exactly? By po- politics is a do you just mean like uh, in a Misesian sense, like it, that you well, have to act or something? Or well, I mean, I mean, in the sense that you're acting out your your beliefs and your your this is a mechanism for for you to act out what you believe is right and wrong and and punish what you mainly to punish what is wrong and to reward what is right you know i mean that you know i think yarvin puts it well where he where he's like hey it's you know the state is here to punish you know to punish your enemies and reward your friends and if you extrapolate from this a little bit what you get is hey this is a way to for you to reward what you think is right in your own eyes and punish what is wrong in your own eyes and particularly because we're in a republic you know, it would not be the case if we were in a monarchy, but, you know, we are, but here we are. And this is, in fact, what the, uh, the, the you know, government, the government really is here for. It's, you know, th- this is why the, t- you know, the church and state are always so, you know, or religion and state are always so int- closely intertwined, you know, right. and throughout yeah. all of human history, wherever you go. They are one in the same. Or one is the expression of the other. State is the expression of your Christianity. And and and, and this is something you've talked a lot uh, talked about yeah. a lot on uh, your show and and your appearances on other people's uh, podcast stuff. Is the mm-hmm. you know the the idea of the separation between church and state sounds good maybe when like you first hear it, yeah. but then 
I think it's been kind of a bit of a disaster. And it's not that I it's not that I don't understand maybe the intention of it. And and certainly, I mean, I, I'm not somebody and we might you know have some slight disagreements here. I'm not somebody who necessarily wants to create a, a, a Christian theocracy. But at the same time, I, I think it kind of is one of those things where you have to look a little bit deeper and the devil's a bit in the details there. And, yeah. you know, when we, when we say separate the church from the state, it's like, well, in one sense, I don't want the church to be the, the entity that administers civil justice. But on the other hand, uh, w- what do you mean by the church? If by the church, do you mean the corporate entity where we come to gather and worship? Okay. M- you know, I would agree with that, I guess. But if by the church, do you just mean, the people of God. It's like, well, taking the people of God out of the state or taking the people of God out of governance, it's actually kind of a bad idea. Cause it's counterproductive. Out, right. And, and that's, that's sort of what I've, 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 uh, and then the problem is like this, this gets into um, like a semantics game. And then when you're having these semantics games with autistic libertarians, and I say that lovingly because I am an autistic yeah. libertarian, but when you get into these conversations with autistic libertarians, it, you know, it's just like, oh, well, you know, it's like, you know, all government is evil and all all authoritarianism is evil. And it's just like, again, it's like it's one of those things that's kind of like in a broad sense and kind of like a 360 pixel, you know, like, you know, zoomed out thing. It's like, yeah, that sounds kind of right. But then you get into the nitty gritty of it. and It's like, well the truth is actually that it's a bit more complicated than that. And, you know, the Bible certainly, in, in my opinion, as I, I would say the Bible has a high view on the, uh, on governance and on law. Uh, and I, I get the sense that's something you would agree with. Uh, yeah, kind of, you know, but in the Bible, you know, the, the law is always based on love. That's why, you know, Christ yeah. says, Hey, when, you know, in love, there is no sin. That's why the greatest commandment is to love, you know, and, so, you know, and when you have a, uh, you know, a, a uh, you know, a, basically that gives you your justice system as well, because, you know, what you have this, you know, picture of love in God. Yeah. And, you're, and uh, whenever something is not love, you know, that that would be sin. Sin is to miss the mark. The mark is love. Yes. And so, you know, and that that tells you, OK, here's what's right. And anything not that is is what's not is wrong. And so, you know, and what we need to do with the justice system is correct, you know, the correct the record to so that it's a lot closer to the mark. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny how um, for, for some libertarians, they seem they, they'll make arguments that they, they seem to be boxing themselves into an almost type of pacifism where they're just like, no, we cannot uh, wield force against people who are doing wrong because that will. You, you know, it's like it's like they, they, they think that it's it's wrong to use force. And I was like, well, and I don't know if this is a problem. It might be a problem with the nap because like people maybe like don't understand it well enough or it's maybe like too simplistic of a heuristic mm-hmm. because and I've always kind of not liked the, the, the nap because it like to say the non-aggression principle. It's like, well, I'm not against aggression even. You know what I mean? Like to me, aggression is yeah. just a part of the the human it's, experience. It's really simple. Yeah, and, and you know, to me, like aggress- aggression is one part of you know sin. The other being vice, which kind of leads to the aggression. And you know, if you allow the one and say, "Oh yeah, totally fine," 
But, you know, it, yes, these things are definitely going to lead you to aggression. And when that does, that's the line. It's like, well, no, you would you 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 would cut it out of the root. That's not efficient problem solving. And that's not efficient for any civilization to say that, yeah, you can choose all of the things that are going to lead you to the mental illness, you know, scarcity and the uh, the anger, the hate and all of that stuff that leads you and envy, particularly that leads you to aggression. And yeah, we're, you know, all that stuff is okay. It's just, you know, right. You can go right up to the line, but you can't cross it. It's like, well, no, no, that's not, you know, if it, you wouldn't say like, okay, you know, if you're driving on a, you know, a bus, like on a mountainside, you wouldn't say, oh yeah, you can go all the way up to the side of the cliff with the, when you're driving the bus, <laughs> but you just can't go over the cliff. Like, no, you stay as far away from the cliff as you can. You can go out and, and drink around with women and flirt with them as long as you don't have sex with them, you know, while you're married. You know, it's like, the, like would you do that? It's yeah. Like, no, no, no one in a good marriage, you know what I mean, is doing that at least. That's not an aggression. You know, <laughs> marriage is only right. a title transfer, you know, you know, Jacob. What, what, be like, like, honey, why are you upset with me? I didn't actually cheat on you. <laughs> yeah, I just walked up <laughs> real close to it. It's like, that one's not going to work with my wife. And, uh. But right. yeah, and then you you, know, you have these other things where you know in libertarianism where it's like, oh, your word is actually unenforceable. So any oath you take is actually unenforceable. All that is is a title transfer. Mm -hmm. And it's like you don't see how this could possibly go wrong. As that, that that you can, that that you can't enforce people's words on them against them anymore. And it's like you know you, you, they come up with all. It's all because they're they're trying to make liberty their god instead of love their god. That's why you know you know with uh, Christian morality, yes, where the spirit of the Lord is found, love. You know, basically there is liberty. That basically love yeah. is the yeah. cause of liberty. Because let's face it, you know you can't force love. Duh. You know, if you do, it's rape and it's abominable. And so, and so, basically, it, it, love by its nature cannot be forced. That's why, if you you have people who are behaving love towards each other, and but you know, which you know, has many different forms. Greeks had plenty of different words for love. We have one catch-all term, which is not great, but you yeah. Know, anyway, uh, but yeah. So the. Uh, so yeah, where the spirit of the Lord is found, you know, the spirit of the Lord is love. You know, there is liberty because let's face, because at that point there is no you know aggression there. There's no force within love. You know, there is force to defend love. Uh, that that's a very different concept. That that's where we get into justice. You know, where we're, mm -hmm. and uh, where we're trying to restore it back. Yes, I can. You know, once we've departed from it, at that point I can use force to you know kind of take to uh you know correct the record you know but even then right there is you know your constraint is that okay well this force has to actually correct the record you know you can't just like wantonly use force any any which way you want you know once someone sinned no you, you you know in order to justify the force that action actually has to produce more love which is a very high bar that's a very very high bar and you know this is why in the uh old covenant you know, and the, the like the, the law of Moses, like most of the laws had no prescribed punishment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they were kind they were basically voluntary. And the only ones that really could uh, be uh, enforced, uh, you know, enforced, you know, with, you know, capital F force, you know, were the uh, were like property rights violations. Because, you know, it's like if, if you uh, use if you violate my property, I can use force to correct that. And yeah. that made sense. And that, 
So basically you end up with a, you know, even though you're using a different standard, you know, love, you end up with a very, very libertarian mind, you know, mindset or, yeah, but not, not quite the same though. And the, and the differences are critical. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and there's so many, there's so, there's so much wisdom in the, in the old Testament law and it, and it really, it, it, it's, it's really irritating to, to like, I remember when I was like maybe in my, my young twenties and I got like into listening to all the, the like, you know, Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris debates with William Lane Craig and uh, D'Souza and other like, you know, like those like, like old classic debates that these big colleges and mm -hmm. venues put on and stuff. And, and, Sam and, and, Harris and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just, and just hearing, um, and, and you know, I, I actually, I really look as much as Prager kind of like is cringy in a lot of ways. I've always appreciated when he was part of those debates because he at least provided a much better understanding of Old Testament law mm -hmm. than a lot of the Christian debaters did, yeah. where they would just go, oh, well, the Old Testament law is we're no longer under it and pointed to Jesus. I think, well, that's true, but like uh... it's not it's not really like a, a really good explanation for why it was there, whereas Prager at least was making somewhat yeah. of a good attempt to explain, I mean, like, he... well, actually, these laws compared to the people around them were good and actually here's the re like here's the context behind these laws and actually you know these punishments seem barbaric but these punishments almost never happened because here was the there'd be high standards yeah. to actually convict somebody of certain of, of like certain things and you had to have you know somebody else as a actual eyewitness and if you falsely accuse somebody, you were punished of the thing that you accused them of. I mean, yep. it, there was a lot of like really uh, yeah, so checks approach. and balances. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, him and him and Shapiro are you know really well read in uh, Moses yes. Maimonides, and who is a thinker from the twelfth or eleventh century, and he's a Jewish, he's a Jewish dude. But you know, he he did a really really good uh, you know kind of line by line, verse by verse. Uh, uh, you know, analysis of, well, here's why, you know, every, every single law is the way that it is, <clears throat> why it's written that way, what the context was. And what you find out is that actually, this is a brilliant piece of work. And the fact you met, and yeah, and it really shows like the, you, you managed to get a bunch of barbarians from 3,500 years ago to maintain an anarcho covenant for 400 years on and off. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's no small achievement. The fact we can't do that today with modern people is, uh, you know, and who are supposedly a lot more morally superior or whatever. Uh, no, it's like, we, we, you know, we can't do, we can't pull off an, an, an anarcho covenant today. And, you know, basically nowhere else in human history do you find, you know, a, a, that pure of an anarchy. You know, everywhere else there's mitigating factors. And, you know, it's like, I, I feel like the, you know, and cats are really stretching the definition of uh, of anarchy, you know, in order to uh, make it uh, make it fit. And like the one anarchy they don't want to talk about is, you know, the one from the Bible, which is by far the purest of anarchy. And, you know, the closest thing to a hoppy and anarcho covenant that's ever existed. And it was a total shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the, the, the funny thing text. about uh, the funny thing about uh like the, the, so the book of judges is where you see like probably what you're talking about like the the the, the anarcho covenant uh civilization that israel had and it, you know 
in those in, days there was no king and every man right did it. he saw fit yeah, yeah exactly like three yep. times for yep. emphasis yep it does and um the funny thing is though throughout the book of judges most of the times when things went wrong it was because the uh israel had failed to actually do what god told them to do and one of the things that like i remember growing up hearing my dad talk about my dad grew up jewish so he also brought a very jewish perspective on on his reading of the bible is that uh, he always stressed to me like jacob god hates mixture like this is why god says you cannot serve two masters it's like and if it, the problem that israel kept having was they never wanted to go all the way with what god said to do to the pagans and and the canaanites living around them they never wanted mm -hmm. to actually expel them all or kill them all they always wanted like oh well you know the because the, there was i forget and i'm always bad with the name but there was this one like canaanite tribe or city that like mm -hmm. had like kind of peacefully surrendered and said hey we don't want to go to war with you just you know we'll we'll just peacefully coexist and so they kind of let oh you know we don't want to kill we don't want to go and conquer mm -hmm. them and kick them out we'll just let them stay there and as long as they don't do anything bad we'll just you know We'll just, mm -hmm. we'll just trade with them and all that. And, you know, on paper. They weren't supposed that, to do that either. <laughs> yeah, they weren't supposed to do that. Don't trade with them. Don't intermarry with them. Don't, you know, right. it, don't do it. You know, don't interact with them. And, yeah. you know, there, there was, you know, there was like two kinds when, you know, when the, when, when uh, the Lord ordered Joshua to, you know, it start the conquest of Canaan. He has, okay, two kinds of people. One is kill them all. And the other is, you know, don't interact with them. Don't mess with them. You know, they're just nothing to you. And, like the like the Philistines were one of those uh, ones that you know you just don't interact with them. Whereas right. like the Amorites, you know, Philistines got you know ended up getting become problems later on. But they're actually descended from Sparta. If you you know that that that's where they come from. They're Greeks. Yeah, you know, and uh, real real interesting. Yeah, that you find out late later on in the. Like the later on that oh actually they 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 were actually descended from like the same Spartans who who fought at like uh, Thermopylae and all that really yeah. cool just a little uh, trivia fact but anyway but uh, you know they arrived right at the same time the uh, you know the Israelites did and they fought alongside the uh, the Israelites in you know defeating the Amorites who were like you know kill every last one of them and, right. You know, and it, it was, and uh, they're like, "Oh my God!" You know, how, you know, how could God, you know, you know, just order genocide of everybody? And you know, well, kind of like in the next verse, he says, "And don't intermarry with them." So, like, it kind of is like he's not when he says, "Kill every last man, woman, child," and and then kill all the animals, and what, and then don't intermarry with them. It's like, well, if they're dead, you can't intermarry with them. So it's like what he means is, is hyperbole. You know, he says right. it's going to be a solid defeat. They're not coming back. Right. It's like it's like it's yeah, exactly. In a military sense, like completely defeat them. Like yeah. And, and yeah, don't don't like kind of win the war and then like, okay, well, we conquered this much territory, we didn't completely win, and we'll just, you know, and yeah, that we'll was call it a day. Yeah. So that, that was Israel's problem was I mean, and even not just in the book of Judges, like the entire Old Testament is Israel failing to to live pure. Uh and 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 that that mixture kept coming back to to bite them and yeah. and that's something that uh a lot of unfortunately a lot of christians today are are still failing to learn that lesson and you know yeah. you brought up that like you know the spirit of of the lord uh where which is love where that is there, there's liberty but I, I i feel like a lot of christians don't understand what the biblical 
uh, meaning of love. It, it's not even that there's just one meaning like you alluded to. There's actually kind of like multiple different words that all get encompassed mm-hmm. by this term love that we use. But, you know, yeah. uh, the Christians like to take a lot of modern Christianity is like, oh, we take passages out of the Bible, but then we read the meanings of the words in a very Americanized, Westernized, secularized way. Yeah. Like that's that's not how you should be reading the Bible. You should be trying to, you know, dive into what the original meanings of those words at the time they were spoken meant. And um, there's a lot to the idea of biblical love uh, that I find a lot of Christians are, uh, you know, don't don't really contend with. Um, yeah, you know, well, what, what are your thoughts those, on that? Uh, a little more amorphous concepts, you know, it, it, it's a, uh, it's, it's one that's hard to pin down and it's like, I had to do it with a diagram and I don't have the diagram with me right now. Like, you know, like, you know, it's like, it's, it's something so difficult to actually, uh, you know, pin down with just words. There's like, you have to actually start drawing pictures and diagrams and stuff to make sure. this thing work. And you know, the, I mean, the idea of, of love in the Bible is that it's, it's a, uh, I'm going to way oversimplify this here, you know, but, but uh, there's so much more to this, but the idea is that, Hey, it takes at least three. It's not just two, mm. it's three. And because what you have basically the lover, the beloved and the product of love itself. And when we're made mm. in the image of God, you know, again, the image of love, right. You know, what that means is, you know, we, you know humans are a family unit. And basically, you know, male and female, he created them. And what did they do? You know, he married that, you know, God was the first one to marry them. And he said, okay, now we're going to uh, <clears throat> be fruitful and multiply. The fruit of that is the, is that, that's the third. So basically the idea is a love is productive. You have two people who are productive together. And that, you know, and, the, and that's like the hallmark of, you know, Christian love is that it's productive. You know, the, and this is something that's very different than, uh, you know, non-Christian love, which can be consumptive, you know, where mm. you're actually consuming value. You're not producing new value. This is why something like contraception would be, you know, wrong is that you're not uh, at that point, you're not uh, producing any new value or you're not even attempting to, to, to produce any value. It's one thing if you try and fail, trying and failing, fine, you know, but like if you're not even trying to produce new value that you know like in like the form of a new human human is a human a new human is value and funny funny thing on that is that when before i got married i never understood the especially and i'm not saying solely but it's like especially a catholic thing to be really against like contraception and 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 birth control Mm -hmm. um which i never understood and then i got married and you know started to like live married married life and you know have relations with my wife Mm-hmm. And both of us kind of just felt convicted by the Holy Spirit to not use contraception. We were just like, it yeah. doesn't feel right. There's something about Be being in that. And multiply. Right. There's something about like once you're in it that like, you know, even though I didn't have a biblical understanding of why it was bad, mm-hmm. it was like just the Holy Spirit acting on me and convicting me of. Uh, and there's something about like um, there's something about, you know, like what what the bible talks about in terms of like what is right and wrong is not again this is where libertarians fall short it's not simply a matter of is it aggression or not but there's something mm-hmm. there's something sinful in uh like what you said like if you're doing something that's not productive but it's merely just an act of like i'm doing this for my pleasure or for consumption mm-hmm. um th- th- there's something about that 
and it, it like it, it is hard to put into words, but there's something about that that is destructive to your soul. Well, I mean, you can easily, you know, look at, uh, you know, a, a whole lot, a whole lot of different sins that way. Like, uh, you know, is this, you know, producing new value? What I'm doing with this action I'm doing, is it producing new value, you know, and like more value than it took to produce it, you know, because, you know, even production, there are costs to production. So sure. the idea is that you're producing excess, you're producing more than you consume in the production process. So like, if you take like a, take prostitution or something like that, real easy one, yeah. you know, what, what are you actually doing? You know, you're not selling a service. You're selling the ability to consume the, the value of female chastity, basically. And basically you're uh, consuming the value of that uh, female pair bond because females have a, a, a ability to pair bond in their brains that, you know, they, they release oxytocin while they're having sex or, you know, particularly during orgasm. And if they, uh, ba and basically, you know, this pair bonding mechanism, their brain gets desensitized to that oxytocin very, very quickly. So like three or four partners in, that's it. You know, the pair bonding mechanism doesn't really work anymore. It's why, you know, whereas men don't have the same, men don't have the same uh, function. So when you're, uh, and when you're a prostitute and you're selling this thing, basically what you're selling is your ability to have a bonded relationship with a man. But, but, but hold on, and, Andrew. Science tells us that men and women are just exactly the same. So that, that Actually, no, true. this is biology. The science doesn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> and, uh. Uh, and they've actually done studies on this that show that, hey, the more, the, you know, the more uh, partners, a, uh, you know, the, the more sex partners a, a woman has, is directly proportional to her, uh, you know, to her likelihood of divorce. And, you know, the, the same thing does kind of exist with men, but no, but to nowhere near the, the, sure. the, the severe degree. And, you know, unless you, you know, with men, you got to get like double digits with women. It's only like three or four and where there's going to be problems. And, you know, and, and so what you've done in this act of prostitution is you actually haven't produced any new value you're, you've consumed value that was produced. Basically, the prostitute herself was produced by her parents. She is the production, and this, and she, and her value is what's being consumed. And so there is no net production here. There is production on the uh, on the John's uh, side where he had to produce income, you know, and then trade it to her for the service. But you know that, but you know, you need production on both sides, and not just on not just that, not just on both sides, but on the, you know the third side there. That this this transaction that you're doing actually has to produce more value. This is why, like, and actually, this uh, mechanism works pretty easy, pretty well too for like a uh, like theft. Why is theft wrong? Because it's, it's simply a transfer of of, of produ produce value from one to the other, hmm. you know. And it was by, and by force too. It wasn't even it wasn't voluntarily done. Yeah, and the uh, uh, but. Uh, so, I mean, you can, and so using that model of, okay, is this producing value, you know, more value than it, or like, whereas if I just simply bought my groceries from you, I've produced value, you've produced value, we trade, and that produces actually more value. Yeah, that's the, that's the uh, value, right. you know, trading value for value creates more value. Wait, than, I wonder if you could use that existed. same, what if you could use the same found, foundational, like framework you just used to kind of explain why charity should not just be like, uh, empty handouts because it's almost uh, you know what I mean. Like if you're giving somebody unearned value, you have an increased value, and 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 there, now it, it's, it's not it's, it's not forced theft, but it is sort of like 
it's almost like a reverse theft. Like you've robbed the person of the ability to, uh, to create value themselves. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're giving a, a productive person, you know, charity, you know, that it's like, you, like, yeah, okay, yeah. maybe that maybe they just had a hard time. They're going to bounce back. And yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's the difference. Thing. Yeah. That, that, that's one thing. But you know, it's, it's like when you're, you know, just like guaranteeing it for them, you're like, a, instead of like a safety net, you're like a safety hammock. Right. You know, at that point, there's going to be learned helplessness there. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's not charity. That's not love. And because you don't teach the other person to be helpless and dependent, that's not love. And in fact, you know, that's another characteristic of love is that you have to, you know, the reason you can say, oh, your know, self-ownership definitely exists within love and all, as well as personal responsibility is that you have to freely choose love. It has to be freely chosen in order to freely choose it. You have to own yourself. And mm -hmm. so you end up with a back backdooring, you know, self-ownership, but in a very, very different sense. Like, that, you know, we don't mean it the same way that the libertarians mean it, but it still has the same functional result. But like with uh, the, when I said there was a caveat earlier, you know, if you look at like the old uh, the old covenant, it does prescribe charity, you know, for you know, a 10 percent tithe every year. In addition sure. to so in addition to some extra things, but you know it actually goes in, in and singles out particular groups that this is for. And if you look at the groups, who is it? Widows, orphans, yeah. cripples. You know what do they have in common? These are all economically disenfranchised groups who right. cannot be who cannot reasonably be expected to be productive. That's the that's the caveat. That's what yeah. that's why they're the ones who get the who get it. And the uh, just the bum on the street who's like a drug addict or whatever, and they did have those back then. You know that guy doesn't get shit. And the excuse my French, I, I'm gonna have to stop cussing. I'm on a Christian podcast. Uh, I but mean, the, I, uh, I, I I curse on my podcast all the time without trying, so you're okay, you're fine. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that, that you know this was the uh, uh, but and this was another thing is that hey, love is you you know. It's yes, it's but it's yes, the relationship itself is, you know, is that three per that three personal relationship, you know, again, father, son, holy spirit, lover, beloved, love itself, you know, or the product of love itself. The uh that uh you know, you know, that relationship is effectively one directional, you know, from each to each. You know, so it, so this is what's meant by selfless love, is that you know, it's not that you know, I have no self, it's that I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not doing this because I'm expecting value in return. I'm doing it, you know, because it's the right thing to do for you. It's going to be moral and good. It's going to prosper you and make you better. And, you know, that, you know, so, you know, when you are giving them, you know, charity, yes, this is a form of love. You know, it's a, what it is the one directional basis for love and a full love relationship is you guys doing it to each other. Right. So you, so like with you and your wife, you know, you, you are giving, uh, you know, her, you know, whatever kind of value you give her, and but you're not doing it because you're getting something in return from her. You know, you're doing it because this is what you, this is what love it does for, you know, the people you love. You can, when you do it for your daughter, you know, or, or, or your, uh, how many kids do you have? One or two? Uh, three with the fourth on the way. Oh, wow. Okay. More than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, like if, if they're, uh, this is why I always think uh, Ayn Rand was, you know, painting such a straw man. She's like, no, it's it's altruism. It's like, no, that's not the component there. <laughs> it's love. And you know, when you you know, when your daughter is like drowning in a lake, 
you know, it's like you're not dri diving in because you're just a swell guy. <laughs> you're being selfless. Like, no, it's because you love her and you, you want to get her out of there. And there's nothing selfish about it. I mean, and, uh, you know, that you can't possibly say that this is what's val you know, giving value to you. It's just not. That's not what and that's not what's being considered here. You know, and uh, and you don't even have to think. Well, gee, how much value is she really giving me? I mean, she was kind of a brat the other day. Like that doesn't come into like you know that that's no. never a thought. And yeah. you know, and the uh, same thing like with like your wife, or, and uh, I'm sure she she uh, reciprocates that to you. Is that you know, it's like there there's a uh, like like right now I have to like take care of my wife because she does, she's not allowed to work right now, and. So, and, you know, it's like, it didn't, it doesn't come into my mind that, you know, there's, you know, you know, she's definitely getting the way better end of the deal, you know, uh, but she always tells me she's grateful and that feels good. But, you well, know, the, I think there's something really like in the Bible that's both spoken, but also not really, not really spoken, but like depicted, I guess, that the, the val there's value in serving. That, and, mm -hmm. and the value in serving isn't from getting something in return, like you're saying, but like yeah. the act itself, um, it produces like a untangible value in, in, in your soul. And this is sort of like what Jesus talks about when mm -hmm. he says, like, do you want to store your treasures here on earth or here or, or up in heaven? Yeah. And what he's talking about when you're storing up those treasures in heaven is when you're doing those things that are, uh, that, that are, that are eternal. And I mean, what's more eternal than than love? And if you're yeah, if you're if, if, if you're serving in the uh, in the the mindset and the mentality of love, I mean, that is literally the most eternal, meaningful thing you can be doing. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I think that you know, just a I mean, it's like, and, you know, it's not to say that you know that love isn't pleasurable. I mean, you know, remember that the fruits of the spirit are you know love, joy, peace patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. Two of right. those, I, I, I usually put together patience and self-control. I usually say, oh, low time preference right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yep. but yeah, there's also that joy there, but you're not doing it because, you know, you want the joy or because you're seeking, you know, joy or low time preference. You know, that's simply what this sort of behavior produces, this, this selfless love that when you're partaking in it, when you're practicing it, it does naturally produce these uh, things. And by the way, that's another thing is love produces more of itself, you mm. know, at, and you know, it's fractal in that, in that way, you know, to where like, Hey, I produce, you know, another, you know, like uh, you produce another child that, you know, is quite a, quite a lot of love that, that right. you've just now well, produced. And, it, and it now is, that person yeah. can turn around and, you know, love everybody else. And, you know, the more you're, you're, the more you're engaging in this love relationship with your wife, you know, you've got a fourth one on the way. That's quite, that's four times the amount of love. Right. And people, some, I think non-Christian people don't always understand why I think like it's, it's especially normal in a, in the Christian setting to want to have a lot of kids in a, in a secular sense. I think people almost assume that love is a zero sum thing. And it's just like, well, you only have this much love to give. And you can either put all that love on one kid or you're going to split it between two or three. It's like, no, actually, mm -hmm. with each kid we've gotten, it's like the love exponentially grows. It's and I, 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 yeah. I, I appreciate my oldest more now than I did when he, he was an only child. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like and I appreciate my wife more. I mean, I mean, especially just for the simple like, like, you know, like she's a, you know, <laughs> Uh, a beast mm -hmm. for giving birth to three already and now doing a fourth. And I'm just like, 
you know, which is that that that's probably where we're going to stop. We always kind of thought like four was that magic number we were going to go to, but um, pretty much. Yeah, and that's a, as it's funny because the uh, if you look at you know okay we've talked about kind of what love is and what and uh, what its characteristics are. Let's talk about what love is not, right? And what yeah. it looks like because now I can say okay you know you have you know on the you know uh, on the right on particularly the religious right how many kids are they having quite a few <laughs> and and uh and I'll, I'll i'll say this as a compliment to even the muslims how many are they having quite a few <laughs> and yeah. uh you know it's, there's they're not they're you know okay they have a different kind it's not, you know, it's not quite the same there but there's still a lot of love right there and but now let's talk about the uh, the secular left how many are they having like zero and not only are they not having some, they're killing, you know, the ones that they're having and, you know, maiming and mutilating the. Uh, oh, and then shaming know, the people for, for having kids. Just yeah. like, how could you how could you bring more kids into this world and overpopulate and and look at how bad we are for the earth? We just need to like I, I've literally I remember back in my uh, deranged leftist days, I was a full blown vegan. Uh, but even then, there was just still enough of a seed of of uh of, of jesus in me from my childhood yeah. that i was able to push back against the really demonic stuff that was like just 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 uh like openly anti-human just like i hope yeah. we die out completely it's just like i was just like astounded like how can you hate people so much that you exactly i mean it's just and hate children so much that you um and i, I don't shout know. your abortion it's like oh my <laughs> god you're a fucking nutbag Oh yeah, I'm no, and this was like people sometimes feel like those people don't exist. The ones that are proud of their abortions. Mm -hmm. No, there was definitely some radical vegan women that were proud of their like, like, like. Oh, mm -hmm. I I've had three abortions in the past four years, and I don't think anything of it. And you know, I I, I kind of like look forward to getting my next one. I was just like, Whoa. well, yeah. I That's mean, a special kind of demon right there. Well, and then it, it, especially when they say it with like a smile on their face, just like like completely cheery, like just like it's no big deal. It's just like I mean, it's um, horror movies don't scare me. Real life and people scare me sometimes because yeah. it's uh, um, all monsters are human, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And you see this too, is like, you can see how, you know, once you, you get this, you finally get this mental image of love in your head. And I'm sorry, I didn't bring the diagram with me today. It's not totally complete, but you know, it still yeah. would be helpful that the, uh, <coughs> you know, what, what you, what you can see very quickly is, okay, one side is really trying to behave the ideals of love. You know, even if they don't yeah. know it, even if they're not always doing it the right way, and that would be the right. And you know, and, and there's one who is like utterly hostile to the idea of love, and they basically want the uh, you know the the primordial state back, you know, to where you know what were we before? You know, we were in the Im image of God or whatever, you know, and uh, they're looking for that uh, that coerced state of where we were before. When it's uh, like they, they they conflate love just with like the feeling of ple like ple like what is pleasurable and like like and 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 same with relationships it's just like oh i love this person because when i'm with them it's very pleasurable and it, it's it, i mean for one it's 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 shallow it, it's so shallow that um i mean you you couldn't even drown an ant in it 
I mean, it's <laughs> there, there's well, like nothing why, to it, it. This is why I say, you know, what you know, the, their version of love is an abomination. Yeah, because what you know, I, I actually give them a little bit more credit than you do. What I what I say is that the left is trying to force all of the characteristics of love, all of the fruits of, of the spirit. Basically, they're trying to force, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, you know, that it's like the problem is like force destroys, you know, all of those things. And sure. the uh, and basically, and like, you know, this is why I say all leftism is based on rape. Because what did we say about what did we say earlier? You know, basically, you know, when you're forcing this kind of relationship, you're forced love. We don't have a, a really a word in English for forced love. The closest is rape. And, you know, that, uh, you know, this idea that you're forcing a sexual kind of, you know, love, you know, I say that in air quotes, you know, onto someone else. And it's an abomination. It's, and uh, this again, this is why, you know, we don't have a, a word for forced love, but the closest is rape. And this is why I say all leftism is based on rape. Yeah. What, and, you know, and you, and you see this kind of in their energy where it's like they want control. It's like that. You know, they want all of the fruit, all of the fruits, all the good things that come from love being done voluntarily. But these people in themselves are just demonic and evil and they're not lovable. Like that, I mean, that's something you notice about like the, uh, you know, these marching hordes is that these are fucked up and crazy people. These are people who, you know, clearly have an absence of love in their life. You know, even if they're just like rich kids or or whatever, something was wrong there and that, produce such a wrong kind of love and you know the or such a bastardized uh version of it and you and you find you see that all of these people found each other you through social media and now they're in the democratic party most of them yeah and you know and not, not to get too political here because you know we're staying away from that now but yeah, it's like this is a, you know what you're looking at when you see the American left and you know the international left really is you're looking at a bastardized version of love, and there's basically you have the Christian right who's like doing their best to, you know, try to behave the, uh, you know the, the the nature of love within a system that is utterly hostile to what a republic is utterly hostile to the idea of love because it's 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 anti-production by nature. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, you know, that there is, uh, you know, that with a uh, with a republic, you know, this is where you get, you know, that that hyper consumption materialistic uh, mentality that is, you know, again, like consumerism. This is where that comes from. You don't see this in like monarchy or, or you did see it a little bit in anarchy, but not really, but not not nearly to the same same degree as you saw it. Like you see it now in a republic to where. You know, they just want to consume every bit, every piece of value that's going to get consumed some way or another, whether whether it's, you know, the value of, uh, you know, male youth, it's going to get consumed in war, or it's like the, uh, you know, like the value of your labor that's going to get, uh, you know, again, that takes deferral of gratification, that's production, that's all going to get consumed in, you know, cronyism or whatever. And, yeah. it, and it just gradually makes everyone poorer and you know, less ability to afford love. This is why, you know, birth rates and everything are tanking. People can't afford it anymore. Well, and if you want to talk to. about a, a passage that kind of like breaks down where the left, like like uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4, love mm -hmm. is patient and kind. 
Um, okay, keep going. <laughs> love does not envy or boast. Mm. Oh, for four right now. Yeah, uh, is not arrogant <laughs> or rude. Does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful, and does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in with the truth. <laughs> it's like oh on all of them it's just like it's like particularly it the last ones where it's yeah like they were rejoicing in evil and you see you see said that right. earlier like the person was like saying oh yeah i've had three abortions and like then look at the smile on my face aren't i a sociopath it's like well you, and you look at the uh predation uh of the uh like the the lgbt movement on the mm -hmm. left and it's entirely like the the flipping of of this passage like oh love is we rejoice in in wrong you know people just doing whatever the heck they want mm -hmm. and we don't care about the truth that's and what love is children yeah it's like it's like yeah, and yeah. I, I was in a conversation with some libertarians that i am in a you know that i associate with earlier today and uh they were upset because there were people in the mises caucus that didn't want uh a, a recent convention in georgia that didn't want to uh agree with them that there should be planks included in the georgia platform about uh the freedom to i i uh the freedom to choose your own gender identity and and stuff <laughs> and first of all i was like thank god there's based mises caucus people in georgia that said no to that um and and yeah, yeah second of all it's like, like oh my god would i've eaten them alive for that <laughs> uh second of all it was just like um yeah it's just like this is and, and so it was just funny that all this came up before my conversation with you because i was like they were just totally not and so these people uh, a few people in this conversation were self self-proclaimed christians um but i'm just like I, I don't like to be the guy that calls like you know you're not a real christian you're not a real libertarian that's it's just not me. I don't like to do that. Um, yeah, but but it's just at the very least, oh, it's, uh, it's not that they're not Christians. It's that they're bad Christians, right? You know? It's just like you're you're missing the mark so badly. And it's like you know, there's something like obviously, you know, God is love, but the love of the gospel, right, means nothing without the sin that jesus had to die for so if you take christianity take the gospel and you remove the severity and the truth about sin from that equation you have bastardized the gospel mm -hmm. like i'm sorry I, I and i don't i don't mean to be inflammatory with that but it, like sometimes the truth is inflammatory what can i say i mean you're instilling mental illness in like these children and in these people which is highly anti-production and listen and, i'm you know i'm not trying to uh you know reduce love to just production but this is like the most single singularly useful characteristic well, here's a of, here's a, here's a it, different way to put it maybe instead of just like i don't i'm not offended by yeah. you using that term but another way to look at it is uh like meaning and purpose yeah. like you know what i mean like so it's a very yeah, like joy. jordan yeah joy like a jordan this is what made jordan peterson so appealing to a lot of people, including young men, because they had been fed this postmodern nihilist worldview uh, growing up, and they were just taught to do what was pleasurable, do what's expedient. The minute yeah. the minute somebody just got up and said, "No, you should adopt responsibility and do what is meaningful," 
And then nobody on the left understands why Jordan Peterson has all of this appeal. And it's yeah. just like, <laughs> it's like, it's really not that hard to understand because it turns out what people really crave is at the end of the day is not uh, simply pleasure or, or, or to do, to be free to do whatever they want. But true freedom come and, and, and happiness and meaning comes from the adoption of responsibility and yeah. and in in the pursuit of something eternal so it, well right there i mean when you say yeah. responsibility i mean that's self-control i mean that basically that right yeah. there is is like one of the characteristics that love produces this is a fruit of the spirit this is why you know why i say hey personal responsibility is the start of self-ownership because that's self-control what is ownership besides control and you know if you're not in control of yourself you know, which by the way is possible, basically your body is in control of you. And basically you're, when you, when we say you're a slave to your passions, what that means is you can't say no to what your body wants. And, you know, it's like at that point, do you really own yourself? No, no. it's like, no, you're not in control. You're not the one. Well, the what does the Bible here. say? You're a slave to sin at that point. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the way that Paul puts it in Romans. It's like, you know, and, and it's like, mm -hmm. you can either be a slave to sin or you can be free in God, but freedom, <laughs> freedom, there's something a lighter yoke, right? Much lighter. And, but, but freedom doesn't mean the absence. Like some people equate freedom to mean the absence of rules, which is not the case. Actually, the absence of rules is chaos and uh, you're not free in chaos. If you're no. not, chaos is not, like we talked about this a little bit last time, like uh, chaos brings uh, a lack of security and a lack of safety. If you're Scarcity. not safe, you're not free. And this is something that, that a lot of libertarians are really bad at. They're, and and it's like, it's one of those, again, one of those things that's like true-ish, but you, you it, it's not sufficient enough of a, of a saying when people say, oh, well, you should never trade liberty for security. It's like, well... But but the problem is people are kind of incentivized to. Well, it's like it's like, and you're you're imagining there's a difference. Well, because think well, about it, like what, yeah, what it, you know, it's like what is liberty but security? Like, well, yeah, the, like, yeah. This, it, is, it, this is the state. You know, liberty is a state of security. I mean, listen, you know, you're particularly a libertarian sense where you're defining it based on aggression, like for for crap for Christ's sake if, here. If security no. does not matter at all, and all that matters is that nobody is controlling you then the most free state is death. Just be dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing bad can happen to you. And uh... yeah, at that point, you're free from aggression. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're very free from it. But uh, well, what was the cost there? And right. It's like, you know, when, I, you know, you know, when, when there's a, a chaos all around me, me and I'm like, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. And it's like, I don't know if I'm going to get my house broken into. As it's like, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I'm not free. And I'm someone comes to you I'm and goes, terrified. "What you, what you need, Andrew, is more freedom." It's like, uh, no, I need, I need to be able to walk out of my house without feeling like I'm going to get shot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like you know, when 2020 was happening in January, that was when I, you know, bought my first gun. It's like I, I saw their writing on the wall in January of like what was coming, and I'm like, oh shit, that's like. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna try to copy China, uh, who's like locking people in their in their houses, and it's gonna be a horrible disaster because now you, you know, the, you know, unlike China, which has something of a, uh, you know, of a restraint button, you know, the uh, Democrats here in are in election year, they definitely don't, and they're they're gonna keep people locked down until they go fucking insane, <laughs> and that point, you know, it's like. 
I don't know if I'm going to, I knew there were going to be riots. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to, I, I, I imagine it's probably going to be safe here in Texas, <laughs> but you know, just because everybody's so well armed, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know about, I'm not, I can't guarantee it anymore. And no, so, I you was... know what, let me go buy a gun. Yeah. Well, I was pretty safe, but I, I do live in a very red County. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm not supposed to talk about that though. Cause I'm a libertarian. I can't talk about how it's safer to live in a red County right now than a blue one, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, Cause it's all the same. There's no difference between right and left. And yeah. you know, the, the, remember the right killed all those pure, poor people in the middle East that one time and all of the rest of the wars were progressives, but we're not going to talk about that. All right. the rest of the war, yeah. Well, Kosovo, you know, Woodrow Wilson was a was a big right winger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, World War One, World War Two, <laughs> Korea, Kosovo, Vietnam. <laughs> it's like Iraq War One, <laughs> and uh, most you know, of like my criticism, of most of my criticisms of right wingers is really just like it's actually criticisms of Christians who have just like who are who are unfortunately way too duped into all the worst parts of Protestantism and yeah. evangelicalism. So. Um, there, there, there are certainly valid criticisms I, I, I think exist on the right, but um, yeah. to just call everyone on the right a neocon is just, That's just wrong. Wrong. It's like no, there's constitutionalists, there's <clears throat> populists. <clears throat> These are not the same people. Yeah, I mean, my my dad is like just like the 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 prototypical right winger, like like an actual right winger. He mm -hmm. never really fully bought into George Bush and the neocons. I mean, he got duped, of course. Yeah. But then as soon as like, you know, 2010 rolled around and 2008, 2010 rolled around and it was like, oh, wow, this was all a big load of crap. Um, yeah. He was pissed off. Uh, he started looking for answers, though. He he kind of was starting to look into libertarianism and kind of went. He voted for uh, Gary Johnson in 2012 and 2016 because there was like the Republican Party still hadn't figured anything out. And it was like, you know, mm -hmm. so the, obviously you're not going to vote for the Democrats. He was yeah. kind of describing himself as a constitutionalist then at that point, but like there's no power in a third party. So, you know, he was just <clears throat> try, trying to, to, to look around, but then Trump came around and he was like, listen, this guy's not perfect. He's a bit of an a-hole, but um, you know, this is, yeah. you know, he's he, at least he, saying the right things and speaking to the right. right people. Yeah. There's a lot of things that Trump, I mean, first way, even looking yeah. back, there's a lot that Trump ran on that was good. Now, the execution of that and living up to that, you know, yeah. wasn't always perfect. But uh, a lot of what he ran on was something that, like, I can easily understand the appeal that people uh, saw in that, even though I wasn't able to see it at the time because I was still a, a deranged Bernie Sanders uh, supporter. But, um, but at the same time, it was, uh, I think I talked about this last time, it was, it was seeing Trump get lied about all the time in the media that kind of broke me out of my paradigm. Mm -hmm. um and you see so you know, the, I'm, I'm grateful the kind for of that. perverse joy they take in lying and you know and, and that, again right there we go back to the character characteristics of love love rejoices in the truth the truth yeah and you know it's, again that's the holy spirit in you it's like you, you just can't stand to see it and that eventually will drive you to the right because again like the right is you know trying you know at least uh, it's like i can give them credit for trying to behave love you know, or in the Christian sense, they're not doing, a, they're not always doing a very good job of it. Sometimes they're doing a very poor job of it, but they're trying. Whereas like the left, you know, they, you know, they, you know, cause like really the right just wants to be left alone. They really do want a small government that kind of just exists to protect your natural rights. 
And when that, you know, when the constitutionalist uh, constitutionalist uh, says that to me, I believe them. You know, it's like I don't think the Constitution is a very good way of doing that. But right. that's a different story. <laughs> you know, now we're talking implementation and strategy. You know, we're not talking principle. You know, in principle, they're trying that. You know, they are looking for. You can go to you know, your average right winger and, or, mm -hmm. or you can like probably if you talk to 10 right wingers and you pitch the idea to 10 of them uh, that the Articles of Confederation was, while not perfect, a vastly better starting point than the Constitution, you'll get at least three or four that go, maybe kind of see what you know what I mean yeah. like they won't they won't you know you'll get a bunch of them that go you know that just regurgitate public schooling back at you but you'll at least be able to if you you know the arguments to, to give they'll go okay I can see that whereas if you pitch that to the left they go they I mean well you won't even have that conversation because they already yeah. reject the constitution I mean so <laughs> they don't even living, care what you have to say living breathing document and I am the constitution <laughs> right and uh, but yeah, and like, but don't you the... see that you kind of see that same pattern, though, from and again, like, I, I'm I'm a bit more of a, you know, like you're 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 more Catholic background. I have a more like uh, maybe like sort of reformed Calvinist lean, although I don't even like I, I don't mm -hmm. really fit in anywhere neatly. I have my problems really anywhere I go. But uh, one of the problems I see with Protestantism is that sola scriptura really just turned into the bible as a living breathing document that can say yep. whatever i want uh whereas, found in the bible <laughs> right whereas the catholic church although i have some concerns with with their structure mm -hmm. uh at least has a like like safeguards from just everyone going well the bible just says what i want it to say which is yeah. what like as soon as protestantism like became a thing it like became endless fracturing. Well, yeah, it's like in the, in the, and if you look at it, the reformers ended up reforming Christ straight out of the church. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like now you got, I mean, let's face it. Atheism and libertarianism are both denominations of Protestantism. It's like, this is, I mean, this is their etymology. This is where, they, this is their, uh, what was it? Not legacy. Uh, this is where they descend from, you know, it started with, with uh, Pro the, the Protestant Reformation then you get to the Enlightenment, then you get to liberalism, and then you get the classical liberalism, then you get to, uh, uh, you know, some of the, uh, you know, basically limited government and, you know, classical liberalism, then you get to like li uh, libertarianism and atheism. And and by the way, uh, progressivism too. They're all children of, the, they're all grand, you know, grandchildren of liberalism and great-grandchildren of the Reformation. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, the reformers ended up reforming Christ straight out of the church. And yeah, if you look at like we're like when atheists are uh, like attacking Christians, well, what are they really attacking us for? It's for not being good enough Christians. <laughs> it's like like that's literally, that's literally like the angle they're coming from when they get us on you know morality or you know this other stuff. Right? Oh no, you should have more of these Christian virtues and that you're not actually having, and most of those are not actually Christian virtues, <laughs> and they're they're just like stuff that's crept in from liberalism. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's a that, I mean that that's the problem with, when you. Uh, See what you know. What they did in the Reformation was they ended up making the self, like capital S self, like the uh, the end all be all, or like really, it's their starting point. Everything starts from the self, and basically, it's your personal relationship with God, and like not bad, 
you know, it's like, okay, it's like, you're kind of missing something, which is also your personal relationships with everybody else. Remember the Bible says we are made in the image of God. The grammar structure there actually says we are made to image God. We are made, you know, humans are imagers of God. Remember mm-hmm. we, you know, and you know, the image of God is love. Yeah. We're yeah. meant to be families. We're meant to be tribes and communities and that have this, you know, extended structure of love. And, and this is why, you know, the, the Christ says, it's not just that you love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's also that you love your neighbor as yourself. And the, uh, so it's like, basically the, the, you have to love, love, and you have to love each other. And so when you're starting with, well, we're just going to love God, you know, it's like, no, no, <laughs> uh, no, you, 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 you just cut out the second most important command, which is, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And what you did right there when you made the made the self the uh, basically the end all be all because you know where is God? What you know basically that he's not here to assert his rights. He could, but he's not right here right now. You know, do, you know, in the like in the physically present and perceivable sense, like which is you know the important one. Like that's the you know what what happens. It's like now we're you know now you've basically you're basically just left with the self. And so when the when the reformers did that, what you know where, where that ended up leaving was okay. Now you have uh you know remember that politics is kind of like the mirror image of your religion. It's like you know this is why I say they're they're related because this is like this is the ugly this is like the ugly mirror that's being held up to you of you know show you okay this is who you really are because if your religion mm-hmm. was pure if you really were loving your neighbor as yourself you wouldn't have a government. And the fact you don't, this is, uh, is like what's reflected, you know, your sins are reflected in your state. And, you know, and so what's, ha- what's happened is now we have a, you know, a image of government that is very reflective of the, the, uh, the overemphasis on the self, you know, which has perverted everything, but we're not meant to be the, an image of ourselves. We're meant to be an image of love. And, you know, you've taken all of that out, you've broken all of that down, and you've, you know, bastardized it every single which way with all kinds of perversions and nonsense. And, you well, know, it's almost like it's also like it, sometimes it's perversions where like they'll mix things in, but sometimes it's also just like uh, an overemphasizing of certain things while ignoring mm-hmm. others um, that, that, that I've noticed too in, in mm-hmm. Protestantism. And, and it's like, um, and then a lack of again, I think what you're saying is 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 very true that like it's a the, 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 there's a there's a, a line that I can draw from when when Protestant when Protestantism developed a tradition of uh, the Bible was interpreted by by me and 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 my reading of it to then what we have now in the secular world where people live their lives worshiping themselves. But really, that's only a step removed from worshiping the God you construct by your reading of the Bible. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because that's my that's my problem with a lot of 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 uh, of uh, uh, evangelicals is that they really just worship themselves under the guise of Christianity. I don't like this church. I'm, I don't think this pastor is quite getting it right. I'm going to go right. to another church. It's and, just uh, like, oh, definitely sure. you with your your like you know cursory reading of the Bible. Right. Or even it's just like, you know, yeah, seminary or at least like heavy time devoted to 
to to reading, understanding the history and the tradition. Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, yeah. And, and it's like they looked at, you know, the the, the, reforma the reformers, like they looked at corruption and maybe some issues that were going on in the church mm -hmm. instead of like, well, let's fix this. It was just, and I, to be fair, I don't think, like, I don't think Luther himself wanted to start something new i think he well he said know. i don't want a religion based after my name boy was right. he disappointed oops <laughs> <laughs> but i don't I, think calvin I, did either to be to be yeah. frank but um and uh like like with with luther though like <laughs> it started right there like when, remember when i was like right there when he said hey why does the pope need another cathedral you know why you know why can't we you know why can't we spend all that money on the poor and actually you know saving souls and all that it's like what he kind of missed right there is that it's not that he, the Pope needs a cathedral is that the cathedral there is designed in its beauty to glorify God as like the, you know, the, the, like the Catholic church didn't build uh, all those uh, cathedrals just for themselves. It's like, you don't live in a, in a church. And it's like, if you looked at like where the, uh, you know, the bishops, all of them were, li were living, it's like, they were nice, but like, but not like splendid, but well, like the cathedrals true. were absolutely magnificent there's something and about designed to glorify god there's it's something like, about the, the uh, yeah there's something about the catholic way of and i started like learning more about this when i had uh james jenneman on my podcast um and and just the difference in the way that catholics approach worship and going to church than the evangelicals um because with the evangelicals it's just like oh church is this superfluous thing that we just do because the Bible says we have to gather with other believers, but yeah, I could do all the same stuff at home. You know what I mean? I could just read the Bible myself, worship God myself, and just be this hyper-atomized, you know, Christian. It's about me and my relationship right. with God. Whereas it's with Catholics, it's like, no, you cannot, like Christianity cannot even be a mm -hmm. thing if you're not plugged into the church, if you're not partaking in the Eucharist, if you're not like those things are Christianity to not do them is to mm -hmm. not be Christian almost. Yeah. And I think that almost has explains why there was such a lackadaisical response to the lockdowns by a lot of churches and Christians, because to them, it's like insofar as church matters, it's just a feels good service. And it was just like, Oh, why are we going to get up and fight really hard to keep our feels good service? We can just watch it online. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that and, entertainment. And there was something in me that was so pissed off about the idea that the state would tell us that we can't gather. But there were so many other Christians that were like, oh, well, I mean, it's not ideal, but I mean, uh, is it worth fighting over? And I was like, yes, 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 <laughs> it's worth like one thousand like percent. Yes, it's worth fighting over. Mm -hmm. But um. And I can't say the Catholics were much better on on that. No, they, unfortunately, yeah, they well, kind of yeah. rolled over too. And I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Well, and 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 that surprises me. It's just like for all the emphasis on the 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 the, the Eucharist, especially, especially, like, and, but now, like, the, the I literally and it pisses me off because, like, I'm really open to learning more about catholicism but the catholic church that's literally 30 seconds yeah. down like I'm, I'm not even exaggerating i could walk to the yeah. catholic church from near my house in less than 30 seconds they didn't mm -hmm. meet for months and then they still aren't meeting they just uh they they meet people outside and let them partake in the eucharist outside and I, i'm just I, like that what in the world I, I, it's like you know like just start by taking away 
you know, the Latin mass, you know, which was like the way better than the, the, the new, the new one that we have like post Vatican two, which just takes everything out. It's like, as like the, and for the worst reasons, it's like, it's like, okay, we need to take out all of this stuff that could possibly offend Protestants and that will get them to come over to us. Like, no, you idiots. No, no. no. <laughs> It's like that's not how you do it at all. You triple down, like you triple down on it, on it, and like the, and so it's, like it's, there's a lot of like traditionalist Catholics like me who are like, no, I give me my Latin Mass back. Give you know, give me all of that. Yeah, actually, to be honest, so there's a lot of Protestants like myself who would like, like literally, literally break down the, the doors to the Catholic Church to get back in if they repealed Vatican II. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the and like I cert, you know, I certainly would, and. Now the, uh, you know, and so, you know, and then on top of this, like whenever the, uh, you, know, you know, we get something that's a bad flu, it's a really bad flu, way worse than normal. And yeah, but, and you shut down the body of Christ over for the first time in 2000 years. It's like when the Soviets rolled up with, with guns and tanks in the, you know, the Poles kept saying mass as one of, well, uh, this is, but this is that's one of John Paul II's uh, claim to fame is that, you know, he actually did a uh, mass while there were guns aimed at him. <laughs> like the, right. The, so he's back down. This is the problem. Protestantism, the church is just the people, devoid mm -hmm. of structure, devoid yeah. of, whereas the Catholic conception of the church, like it is the people, but it's also everything else. It's, it's the buildings. It is the cathedrals. It is the stained glass. It is the Eucharist. It is, like that all is part of what makes up the body of Christ mm -hmm. and makes up like the religion itself. Um, yeah. So it's like, but at the, uh, at the same time, it's, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't want to make this a, a, like a, a huge thing where I start getting into my critiques of Catholicism, but I think, no, go ahead. I think, like, well, I, I, I think, but I think, right I think even, <laughs> well, I think even Catholic, like the Catholic leaders have forgotten what, the good parts of Catholicism yeah. and Catholics are just brought up mm -hmm. in like, they, they go too far the other way where uh, it's not about anything other than like, like the tradition. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a blind yeah, adherence yeah. to the tradition with, while having no connection to it personally. Um, yeah. And it's they, like, they did depersonalize yeah. it a little bit. And I, I think that, that was a major product of Vatican II where, they took out all of those evidence, all of those pieces of the mass, and, uh, and where you were really connected to your legacy, to your ancestry, to your past, and to to that tradition that made it valuable, and put it in context. And you know, granted, you know, we've had worse, and we will bounce back. You know, basically, we, we've we've had way worse popes than Francis, and it's like Francis is kind of like. He's bad. He's not like he's not like he's by he's by no means the worst. And you know, basically every time we bounce back. And because that you know, basically the, the the structure of the Catholic Church is based on love. And when you have that kind of decentralized system, you know, where it, it kind of is, you know, a, a a you know a corporate a corporatized love system, yeah, it's always going to uh get rid of the the bad elements eventually. And this is why we're the oldest uh, organization, oldest corporation in, you know, in human history, and by far the most successful is that the Catholic Church is, uh, 
well, you know, it, it's its organizational structure is very, very closely based on the concept of love, which we've been talking about this whole time. And, you know, something like that is very good at, you know, defeating our, it's like the only thing that makes you basically immune to archotropism and, or particularly with the fifth law, which says, hey, every, you know, all power structures accumulate entropy, you know, in a closed system. Well, that key phrase there is in a closed system, because you can continue adding energy and continue being reactionary and, you know, get, and get rid of that chaos. And yeah, it's like, and that's exactly what the, the Catholic church's structure is designed to do. And it does it very, very well. That doesn't stop it from getting in there. doesn't stop it from accumulating chaos, but it gives you a, a mechanism for getting rid of it. Right. And so yeah. that's the, uh, that's where, you know, where we're, uh, you know, that's where we're at right now is, okay, we got this idiot Pope in there right, right now who's like bordering on apostasy. You know, sometimes he's such a heretic and, you know, the, uh, and, and, but don't worry, we've had worse and you know, he hasn't, he hasn't like gone full blown heresy yet, but why is he like walking right up to the line and right yeah particularly for yeah and you know particularly from a traditionalist you know catholic perspective uh, he's making us very unhappy and but don't worry you know the uh we had you know there's actually one time where the uh the, the you know we had one pope who was actually going to go full-blown heresy and he had everything like written down ready to go ready to be published and he died died of a heart attack before he could do it <laughs> and so it's like it's like talk about the, the guidance angel of, of the death Holy, talk about the guidance <laughs> of the holy spirit you are right. peter and upon this rock i'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it boy <laughs> if we put that one to the test oh, and boy. so the uh so yeah it's like it, it, we're, we're gonna bounce back but it might it might take a a, a while and with uh stuff like vatican ii We've had plenty of councils that, uh, you know, ecumenical councils that disagreed with each other. And what ended up, what usually the way tradition usually uh, interprets that is that, you know, where they disagree, with, you know, when they stop disagreeing with each other and stop and an issue stops being an issue because it gets settled somehow, that's the one we take. And so, you know, in the, uh, you know, so yeah, like in the past, we had all kinds of, you know, church councils that disagreed with each other. And what we say is, hey, whenever they stop disagreeing with, with each other, that's the position we're on, we're, that uh, we, we interpret as tradition. And hmm. so like, yeah. And so now you have something like Vatican II where there's quite a lot of disagreement and there's like, now g give us the old stuff back. Give us the Latin mass back. And, uh, you know, and so I think they're going to be, uh, I think, you know, whenever Vatican III rolls hmm. around, that's something they're going to have to address. Well, a, is... a lot of what is bad in Vatican II is what's bad in Protestantism, which is almost like this mm -hmm. desire. It's like this desire to, instead oh. of speaking truth, to try to like, well, we just want people to like us. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's try to, let's try to like, you know, trick. I, I hate this. I hate it when Protestants do it and when Catholics do it. Let's try to trick people into being Christian. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> Uh, let's be ashamed of preaching the gospel. Ashamed of of. Okay. Andrew's dying. <laughs> That's the it's the coughing before he has like a doctor uh, Jekyll and Hyde moment. He's gonna transform into evil Andrew. Yes. Big podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. But yeah, the uh, yeah that that uh, the coof is still giving me some residual effects. Oh, dude. Yeah, when I had it in uh, September of 2020. My cough lingered until like probably January or February. Oh Jesus! It was up, but that, that was like uh, the original COVID. It wasn't Delta or or uh, 
Uh, oh yeah, no, I got the I got like the Omicron, which is like it was basically nothing, and it was a bad it was a bad cold. I got like a, a fever for you know one day, and it was like a mild one. It's like ninety nine, which is high for me because I'm like I I usually run at ninety seven. So so you yeah. know it, it was a little higher for me, but you know but it was basically nothing, and just hasn't quite gone away. It's just annoying. Yeah, yeah, I get but you. Uh, no, I'm not dying yet. <laughs> so. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that the Catholic Church, I guess, still has uh, in spades more than the Protestant uh, churches that I've I've come to to respect more is is uh, the uh, authority structure that that exists, which mm-hmm. what you which you alluded to is, is very de- decentralized. Um, yeah. and there there there's something there. It's not just that... decentralized; it's properly decentralized it's probably mm-hmm. it, you know basically it has that corporate structure you know where you have a, a uh, your college of cardinals are basically your shareholders your pope and the magisterium are basically the management and the uh and, and your individual parishes at the bottom are basically your customers but it's not, and they're not atomized customers you know they're you know they they're in you know that co- that parish relationship they're basically in a, a covenant at the bottom which completes that that you know remember that love has three parts you know lover you know product of love and the beloved itself that's right. what you have right there in a corporate structure this is why capitalism works is that we it has that corp you know it has that corporate structure invented in march 2nd 1602 for the first time it has that that uh, that you know that that properly decentralized structure, which mimics love, and it, it, you know it mimics it in a, in a really good way. The difference between you know <clears throat> just difference between it is it's a more instead of a most. To where in love you're supposed to do the most good for the beloved, whereas the uh, in a corporation you just have to do more, you know, more than they're doing for you. Basically, you have to do more for your customers. Uh, then they feel like they're doing for you and they have to do more for you than you feel like you're doing for them. And therefore sure. it works out. It's, you know, it still works. It still ends up being a maximization, uh, you know, uh, thing, but anyway, but yeah, with, with the Catholic church to structure, it's why I said we're the oldest corporation in human history and by far the most productive because we were the only one for like 1600 years, basically. And something, something that I really, uh, <clears throat> wish that there was a Protestant equivalent to, but there really isn't. Is like, like, like Protestant churches. I don't know how, I, how much experience you have with them, but like most even, no. it's just like we have a pastor, and this pastor is somehow like a one, one, one man does the entire operation himself. Now maybe some of the better Protestant churches will try to mm-hmm. like, oh, we have a system of elders and multiple pastors, mm-hmm. but they still kind of like. Uh, it ends up being just like one or two people do everything. And then there's a bunch of people that just sit around and do nothing. A little yeah. bit of Pareto distribution going on there. But I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the Catholic church, on the other hand, um, things that I grew up kind of like being propagandized against about the Catholic church as being bad. I've come to kind of think are good. Like, yeah, um, Hey, maybe it's actually good that there's like a, a priest that you go to confess your sins to. Uh, and like, that's his entire job. Like Protestant mm-hmm. churches don't have that. It's like, oh, if you sin, just confess it to you know 
the win. Just confess it internally, and and then like God forgives you. And it's just like, and it's not that I, no. it's not that I disagree with the idea that God will forgive you, but like, is the the point of repentance isn't just that God will forgive you of your sin. The point of repentance is to turn away from your sin. That's what the word repent means. It doesn't just mean to ask for forgiveness. It means, oh, I was going in the wrong direction. I'm going to turn and go in the right direction now. You know, and it might be, you know, wise, helpful, maybe even necessary that there be a facilitator in that. Someone that, you you know, that, that their job, their spiritual competence is to help people in having that kind of accountability and to kind of like give give them guidance in terms of the severity of their sin and the way to make amends and the way to to get back into right footing with God and to actually repent. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah, and the uh basically with the structure of authority, there's it, it's so, you know, properly versatile because it's in its proper context. You know, <clears throat> where and it's properly incentivized authority. To where, yeah, it, you know, your priest has a it has the proper incentives to actually help you b- come closer to God and help you, you know, come closer to your community and and you know, and when you have a a Protestant, you know, like you might have like one guy who's really really good, and when he retires or dies, the whole church falls apart, you know, because like you said, there's a little bit of a Pareto distribution going on there, yeah, and it, a lot of times you do get these like one man shows or like and the. Uh, and so, you know, and but having a proper, uh, you know, system of authority, you know, it, it gets rid of all of the like the chaos of and you know, it, it's a proper division of labor. Yes, where it's exactly. just like it's like, hey, there isn't one person that has all the spiritual giftings and does every job in mm-hmm. the church, but you know, there there should be specialization. And I think some Protestant churches try to mimic that, but. Uh, they don't, in, in my experience, none usually come close to, to doing so. And at best, they, they might be poor, poor imitations. But, but even more important is that, you know, like with the uh, Catholic Church, we can trace our lineage all the way back to the apostles. And I, just having that proper authority right there, it gives you credibility. It's like, you know, I can say, hey, you know, this bishop was appointed by that one, 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 who can go all the way back, back to a... Uh, go all the way back to like Peter or Andrew or Bartholomew or Matthew or, you know, one of the apostles and just having that there that, Hey, this has been handed down, you know, for centuries, you know, it gives us that, you know, that kind of credibility that like a guy who's, you know, like the Baptist, you know, was the Baptist church was created in like, you know, like the 18th, the mid 19th century, you know, not quite the same kind of authority. And, you know, and, and so when we say, Hey, this is the, interpretation of the holy scriptures it's it comes across as authoritative like it's like okay and and we've held this view for thousands of years and here's the and here's the receipts it's like we can do stuff like that and when you don't have that in a process and and you know in a process it naturally lends itself to something like you know sola scriptura where i can just interpret it my way and my and my way might be better than yours or might be more logical than yours or what or whatever and you get into, you know, the basically, you know, who's the purest libertarian? <laughs> that, that, I mean, that, that's, that's where it leads. And, 
to, you know, to where, hey, you know, you're, you're like kind of sniping at each other for, you know, who's the uh, the pure libertarian or, or who's the pure Christian, et cetera, et cetera. And you have all these kind of arbitrary standards that you made for yourself. And and they're not the uh, the, the ways that your uh, that your ancestor Christians, you know, held them for a long, long time. And, and I, yeah, I get the sense that like Protestants falsely assume that well, if we don't have if we don't have sola scriptura, that means that we just have like a uh, human authority, you know, in the Catholic Church, and they just uh, dictate from on high, very in a very authoritarian sense, what the Bible says. Which I, I'm not an expert on Catholicism, but I don't think that the way that they uh, over the centuries have ruled on what the Bible says is like. Uh, a top-down thing. It always no. has kind of seemed like a very conversational, like like overtime yeah. kind of kind of mechanism. Basically, uh, there's only like one or two. There's only like a handful of times that the Pope has actually said right. that one, that interpretation, and it was just like, you know, we could not, you know, we could not agree, and we finally just said, this is "My that wife," one. you know, <laughs> <laughs> hello. And so when the so with stuff like that, the. Uh, you know, it's like you have an authority structure there as kind of a final mechanism, but what it really is is like, hey, we, we, we would have council after council after council until we finally agreed on everything. And at that point we said, all right, this is the interpretation we're going with. And they would disagree with each other and eventually the and eventually the uh you know the the uh, the, the issue would get settled. Whereas what and, Protestants do is go, we we fight and we fight, and we go, you know what? Starting a new church. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work. So it's like you're up to like what, like thirty something thousand and counting. This is not I, I working. I can't. I can't even. I, I don't know. That seems low. And you see, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, and you see the chaos that 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 uh, you know, making humans their own authority is not something we're very good at. And whereas you like having a structure that that incentivizes good authority and can you know most of the time you know, get a good authority at the top. And that's what's most important is that you can get a good authority at the top most of the time. And and when you do get a bad authority at the top, that happens. You know, there's no way to prevent that. But, you know, you can have systems that can mitigate that. And so, and like, yeah, you, you can get, you, we've had plenty of bad popes, but, you know, they were pretty mitigated. You know, like the worst we had was like a murderer. <laughs> it's still pretty bad, but the, uh, you know, and some gangsters and thieves, you know, probably a homosexual or two and yeah. And some, uh, some leches. Yeah. There's, we've had quite a few bad ones, but the, they never really had an effect on the doctrine because that never, it's in their hands, but not really. And again, like the one time they tried to abuse it, like had a heart attack and died. So thank you, Holy spirit. And, like, yeah, th this, uh, you know, ha having a structure like this that properly incentivizes good authorities to rise to the top, that's important. You know, that's what's really important. And that's like, like the grand fix to Protestantism is, you know, you need to set, you need a system of authority, you know, that actually incentivizes good authorities to rise to the top. And because, you know, when you have good authority, it attracts people. Because again, it's like that. It's the you know the fruits of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, good. All these good things that you know proper authority brings, and because you know, and prop by proper authority, I mean it's structured around love. It has that that tri, that tri, uh, that triple uh, incentive system to it. You know, again, the lover, the beloved, and the product of love itself. 
it's a triple yeah. incentive system that you know it, that is basically magical it's what we're designed to be and it, it gives you the proper kind of authority and in, in its proper context and gets decently good at mitigating the the downsides of it and right if and you it, don't it, have that it's yeah. chaos and and when people point to something and be they'll be like oh well it, you know they'll point like they'll, they'll point to instances where it falls short and i'm just like well of course it's gonna fall short like we're human these these things are not this like they're not going to be perfect they're not going to lead to perfect outcomes and uh, you know if you're going to operate by that sort of nirvana nirvanian fallacy that like the the only you know we, we have to reject anything that isn't perfect well then you just you, you you make yourself useless in the world because you're you're just going to be someone at 12 it reminds me of a lot of libertarians who just sit on the sidelines and just endlessly you know complain yeah. you know and there's even christians like that who just like oh i'm done with church and they just stay at home and they endlessly complain and it's like you know even if your criticisms have merit to them if you're not doing anything about it, but staying at home, then you're also kind of part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I like what Joshua Ham says right here. He says, Hey, you know, men understand this fully in 2022 that, you know, you cannot get people to accept responsibility if you withhold authority from them. And that's, that's an important point is that, you know, in order to get people to be responsible, they also have to have authority. And he says, you know, responsibility without authority is slavery. That's exactly correct. And that's very true. Yeah. I think this is, you know, the kind of thing that's actually been missing is that, you know, again, this is where, you know, where I say, Hey, uh, libertarianism is a lot is basically uh secular Protestantism. It would be the like reason, if you were put in charge of is, a, it'd be like if you were put in charge of a business and you had a hundred percent of the liability and the responsibility, but you couldn't control actually any of the, any of the functions yeah. of the business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, well, it's also that, that you think that uh, you can have authority without responsibility, that, you know, I can have this self-ownership and have no responsibility. You know, I can own my no, body I, and have it, no yeah, responsibility. Josh was exactly right. It's just slavery at that point. Yeah. And and that's that's how it ends up. And, and you know, like with libertarianism, they think that, you know, you, 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 there's the starting point of I start from my own myself. And I say, no, that's incorrect. What you really need is a starting point that says, I'm responsible for myself and that's why I own myself. And mm. if you have that different starting point, it gives you all of the right answers to where, okay, Hopper now gets close to that. He gets close to like an argumentation know. ethics. He kind like not, not in those exact words, but he almost mm -hmm. makes that, 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 that route to self self ownership that you just made. I think. Yeah. But and if you, why, which is why Hoppe is the uh, level three evolution of Mises. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, and yeah, that's why that's why I say okay. If you, if, and particularly like in a great history, in a short history of man, you know, where, where he he's actually talking about you know where we were in nature and how that that we how we got here. And like, okay, come on, man, just make the argument right there. It's like you don't start as yourself; you start as part of a tribe. And it's like you didn't make yourself; you didn't build your body. You know, your parents did that for you, particularly your mother. And, you know, basically your your parents built you cell by cell and then nourished you, you know, and supported you for you know, well over a decade, almost two decades. And, you know, they put a lot of effort and responsibility into you. And, what, and when you start with that, like, okay, why is it that like, okay, when you're born, you are owed their income rightfully as a baby, you know, to, in order to be supported with it. 
Well, it's because there's natural responsibility. There is such a thing as natural responsibility that, you know, families owe to each other virt by virtue of love. Because again, we're made in the image of God. You know, this, uh, this idea that we are responsible towards each other is you know, exactly correct. And this, you know, by the way, when Cain says in the Bible, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you idiot. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like it's like I mean that that's that's the quintessential leftist and libertarian mindset that says no, I'm not responsible. And uh, you know, I'm not responsible for my brother. Yes, in fact you are. And there's it's a natural responsibility because this is how you were born. Like you didn't build that. You really didn't. And by the way, when you start to uh, to uh build that and you start to own yourself, is when you start to take personal responsibility for yourself and your decisions, and when you start actually supporting yourself with your own income and your own, and uh, at that point you can start to, and you are truly responsible for yourself. Then, at that point, yeah, okay, maybe you do you do get a little bit more self ownership right there, but you don't start there. The starting point is personal responsibility, particularly the respect, you know, specifically the responsibility owed to you by your parents, and you know, by virtue of that. Uh, when when they get to the end of their life and they're no longer able to be productive, remember how we said in the, in the earlier that you know the the groups in the Bible that were given the charity were the ones that could not be uh, expected to be uh, you know taken care that they could not be expected to be productive. That's why they got the charity. Well, that, you know, turn that around, uh, you know, on on uh, elderly people. You know, you hmm. owe your income to your parents when they get to be that old to where they can no longer work. And that's the that's nature's welfare system. They take care of you when you're a baby. You take care of them when you're an adult. And hopefully, you know. And by and by the way, if they abuse their responsibility to you, well, then you don't. Then you can abdicate your responsibility to to them. So it's a balancing system. You know, it's and you get a properly incentivized system this way. You get all of the right answers if you don't start with with uh, self ownership. You get all of the right answers if you start with personal responsibility. And that's like yeah. the and you see this echoed again in the Bible. We are made to image God. And you know, and what and what what is the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. In a nutshell, responsibility. Right, right there, self-control and patience. That's low time preference. That's responsibility. That's personal responsibility. And you know, and what and what does that that produce? Produces goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. You know, and joy, <laughs> meaning. You know, that's exactly you know, when I say, okay, you need to start with that. You know, the, the 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 error libertarians made is they did not start with personal responsibility. They started with ownership. They skipped the step. And yeah. you get all of the correct answers if you start with personal responsibility. And I feel, and again, this is, and I never would have figured this out if I hadn't been, you know, in a Bible school for 12 years. You know, it's, it's like, yeah. I, I, again, I, yeah. I owe this, you know, at least my knowledge of the scriptures to the Protestants. Good for them. Nobody does a Bible study like the Protestants. I'll give that to them. Yeah, I will, um, I will say, yeah. I mean, my dad being a... With uh, an emphasis on solo yeah. scripture, I sure would hope so. <laughs> I sure would hope I don't even think would... it's, you know, it's like, I don't think it's, like, Catholics don't deny the authority yeah. of the Bible. Or no, that, like, the Bible is... Not, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. Really, the only thing that, like, just, that makes me not consider myself a Catholic is that I, I still hold like doctrinally different views about salvation and, uh, uh, and, and free will and some other things because I'm more from the reformed camp. 
So yeah. I, I, you know, like it, it's really only those differences, but I remained open-minded and, 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 you know, like I'm always trying to challenge my, 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 uh, my presuppositions and beliefs to, to, let let the Bible and the Holy Spirit shape me. So we can have a conversation about that in the listeners group uh, later, because I you know I think free will and this uh, and this concept of love is, but you know the the are intrinsic. To, you know that these are you know if you whatever you believe about one determines your beliefs about the other. Oh yeah, and it's, it's just, like it's a really it, quick way to resolve it. So yeah, well, and and it's a very. Uh, like the the, the, the hyper Calvinists hyper focus on God's sovereignty and freedom. And then you might have like the opposite open theists that focus so much on human freedom that they, they limit God. And I, I try to, I try to be more in the middle where it's like, well, or they, I, they make the, you know, basically what you end up with is you, you, if you say, Hey, uh, you know, if you're, if you're making such an emphasis on God being sovereign, the way that ends up getting secularized is that man is completely sovereign. That's just not the case. Well, it's just to me, it's like I feel like it's a false mm-hmm. dichotomy. Like I, I don't know that um, there's a choice between either humans are fully sovereign or that God is fully sovereign, which is the way that hyper Calvinists frame it. And I've never been a fan of that. Um, well, if you remember the image of love, you but what you get hat what you again you you need self ownership in order to choose love, and right. but, and what. But when you have so so basically you do have sovereignty on both sides, but because it's in the image of love, and there's no and basically where the spirit of the Lord is found, there is liberty. There you are. That's where your sovereignty comes from. It's because you don't really you know, in love there is no sin, you know, there is no aggression there. You effectively are sovereign. It's both. Uh, be, by this nature of love, it is both. And it, it's kind of, it's a little bit magical. Yeah, and you know, there's always going to be yeah. I mean, there's always going to be an element to, uh, to to God and and to the gospel that is outside of our. I mean, outside of our ability to fully intellectualize. I mean, even Paul said that it's like looking through a uh, a a dim mirror. You know, what I mean, yeah. so it's like, it, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff that on the edges when you push it to like the to the philosophical extremes, it starts to get like you know, hard to completely come up with answers that feel like they're 100. That's my problem is like, I'll never, oh, yeah. I'll never get to a place where I go, oh, I'm a hundred percent satisfied with that. But I'm also, I'm not really bothered by that because I like the idea that over time, God continues to reveal himself and, and continues to deepen, uh, re- reveal himself more and more as he chooses to through our, 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 our lives, through circumstances, through the word, through relationships and things like that. So, um, you know, and I, you know, I think that, you know, what you're getting at right there is like the, uh, I mean, the, there was, you know, a good five centuries of debate on that exact concept, you know, at the, in the early church, you know, it was, it was really about the nature of God. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. we, we, we believe in one God. Okay. Well, we really need to like drill down on that. And <clears throat> You had a whole lot of Christological heresies that, that sprung up that tried to answer the question yeah, and did yeah. so wrongly. Yeah, the Gnostics and, were the one of the first ones. Yeah, Arians, Nestorians, out, you know, and uh, you know the Pelagians, etc., etc. Like you had quite a few of of those in in there that uh, uh, you know basically the, the Monophysitians and 
uh, Eutychians, Eutychians, I'm butchering the the pronunciations, but anyway, the, uh, anyway, yeah, you you had a whole lot of those. And what what eventually kind of solved it was like Augustine's, uh, you know, day trend, you know, where, where he, where he was writing that, Hey, you know, it's really all about this love this whole love idea and what and once you you know put god in the context of love all of a sudden all these th- these questions kind of fade away because it, it, they start to make they are they're either not applicable you know because of the it's not consistent with the nature of love or it's or, you know or it's like properly answered to where okay you can see how this this one actually is both because we had a whole lot of what, what were a, a whole lot of false dichotomies back then to where it's like, okay, are they united in will, you know, and how, how does that work? And it's like, well, yes. And here's how, uh, you know, they're united through love and there is, they have perfect love for each other. That's why they can be, you can say, you know, that Christ can say that I am not the, you know, the father, but if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Right. Because, you know, he can draw that equivalence there because they have perfect love for each other. And something like that you will notice like with old people, like who've been together for a really, really, really long time, that they're basically the same person in two different bodies. And that, I mean, that's a function of love because you begin to take on the characteristics of love and that's why you become the same person. And the, and so, you know, when you take that to perfection in God, and so yes, the father and the son, the father is not the son, the son is not the father, but that, you know, but they are the same. They are united in will and mind and everything because of perfect love and they are just they are merely separate in roles and relationships to each other and that and again and by extension to us and so and so when when you uh put all the put everything like that and and like the bible says that uh you know you know you know let, let us love one another because love is of god he who, who loves is born of god and knows god by the way begotten of yes god, right there it's like that, you know, that love itself is is what begets you, makes you the son of God, makes you a son of God, and you know, and ends up saving you. But yeah, because God is love, and that that like that, it, you know, that and that's where we get to know God. And so yeah, it's like we we can't quite gra- get to perfect love, but we can get a pretty decent idea, right? And, and in the same, and it's like in in the in the way that my mind's <clears throat> putting this together is like in the way that the love for my child compels me to create authority around them that it, that not authority that is coercive and, 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 and demeaning, but authority that builds them up and that guides them and shepherds them. I, because I uh, feel the love of a good father like God and, mm-hmm. and know the truth. I find myself as I mature in that wanting more authority, both, authority placed mm. over me but then also uh you know in the areas of the life that i that mm. i uh that I, I reach out and interact in it's like i then know okay well what's good for these situations is uh not you know is authority because authority is uh is well, from love God. is authoritative right you know, and so nature. if you want so if you want freedom you have to start from the foundation of love which mm-hmm. leads you to an embracing of of authority and and jesus modeled that authority perfectly when he said that to be a leader uh to be a ruler is to be a servant and he washed his apostles feet and and that is where like to me that is what biblical anarchy is you know what i mean like it, it is it is the compilation of all of these principles 
and and understanding what they are one step away from like changing your name to biblical monarchy (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah, it's like really it's like it's almost like they're the same thing but looking at it from a different like 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 biblical monarchy is you're looking at it from the perspective of god and biblical anarchy is okay so i've always described it this way that biblical anarchy is like it's monarchy in the sense of the horizontal relate the vertical relationship between god and us but then in the in the horizontal ways none of us can be god over each other yeah well but 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 when you understand it that way remember this is all in context of love we're supposed to be loving each other remember what what uh paul says in uh, i think it was like chapter one of first timothy that god has given us a spirit of wait for it power and love hmm. and basically you know there's an equivalence there to where love is naturally authoritative and that that's why it, it is that that's why love is you know love is god god is love that that's why it sits at the top of the hierarchy is because it is the natural authority so yeah. when you so when you are loving your neighbor and if in, in effect you are an authority over your neighbor and them over you and, right, and it's that reciprocal. And, it's like it's and not. It's it, and it's yes, because it's, it's both ways that, it's in a sense, it's uh, a, a sort of natural anarchy, not a chaotic anarchy, not a not a secular godless anarchy, anarchy, but like <laughs> a a proper natural law anarchy among uh, between well, men. A, well, this is why I you know I kind of consider myself a monarchist is because you know the uh, you know uh, you know that you know that structure of love again is mimicked in corporations you know because you know, you know what you're doing is you know so like, like when i say hey you know it's a uh you know this structure that really really works well because it's mimicking love this is an effect that you know and we know and hey god is king you know what is god he's not he's not just one he's three you know he's he's a tri-personal being united through love and so when I say monarchy, I'm not talking about one. I'm talking about three. I, and so that, you know, that, that, I mean, that, that's, you know, that, you know, realization was what led me to like the private statecraft, you know, side of things like the Yarvinian side. I didn't, de- I didn't get to Yarvin by reading Yarvin. It's like, I, fi- I found out about him in 2020, but I had been like in the, you know, Hey, we need private statecraft, like with like years before I'd ever heard the name uh, Curtis Yarvin. And because, and it, it, I've been led to it by this idea of love, because a corporation is trying to, you know, it is, it works by effect, by mimicking love. And that's why I can say that in six in uh, March 2nd of 1602 was when the enlightenment began and capitalism was born really, you know, or like the, you know, the market capitalism, we know it as today, because that was when the first publicly traded corporation was born mm-hmm. and there's the Dutch East India company. And I, unironically, was created by monarchy. <laughs> yeah, literally, there was a, you know a product of the king who was a Catholic. You king. can almost say anarcho-capitalism is just a fancy term for uh, mm-hmm. decentralized uh, private monarchies. Yep. Yep. Uh, monar- <laughs> you mean monarcho-capitalism? Monarcho, yeah. <laughs> God, I'm an anarcho-monarcho-capitalist. Yeah, oh, just, just, just monarcho-capitalism, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The, the uh, but yeah, I think I think it's proper 
authority. It's not no authority. It's not that there are no rulers. It's that, you know, we, we have proper rulers. Yeah. And I don't know. It, I mean, I've, I've thought about dropping the anarchy label sometimes because it, it is it, it, it can be an albatross around your neck sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I don't know. I mean, that, well, it, I, I understand where it comes from, though. And I think that's the proper place is that, you know, God is king. And well, right. OK, look, but again, God is love. So that is like that. And that that's what, you know, that's where I say, OK, you know, it's it's actually it really should be a lot, a lot closer to uh, monarcho capitalism than anarcho capitalism, because, again, it, it is it is this mimicry of love, this mimicry of God who is king that makes it work. And it's not that you have yeah. no rulers. It's, that you have it, proper it's rulers. just that we have the, the Christians have such a warped understanding yeah. of what authority because because the, the, the proper way Thanks to wield authority. Right. Because <laughs> the proper okay, Christian way to wield authority in the in, in a loving uh, service to your community, to your neighbor, is not to, well, I'm going to go and seize power and control people. Yeah. It's it's rather that you're going to earn power through your service to people, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, you know, through the market. And, um, you know what I mean? Like when we talk about the idea of like a anarcho, uh, or the, or the, like the sort of like anarcho monarchy type of theory, it's, it's always the way that I've always like, and, and, uh, I think Tolkien Mm -hmm. even talked about this a little bit that like monarchs just naturally arise in, in anarchy. Mm -hmm. Like people just naturally promote people to the top. Give unto us a king who will fight our battles and be our judge. Right. (laughs) But 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 the only person that that uh, rightfully belongs there is the person that doesn't seek it out. Yeah, it's the person well, it's that the gets person naturally elevated. Well, it's yeah. like because there's love there, you don't actually need that. You know that. You know that's the that's the uh, that you know that that's the kind of the point. That's why we say, hey, you know, God is the king, Christ is king. Is that hey, this is love. You know, love is naturally authoritative, and the you know the the natural elite. Are going to be the people who are really good at doing good things for other people. That's why, and that's basically the nature of love. They're behaving love, even not they're not right. calling it that, but that's what it is. And I mean, it's it's just like if you, what's the more loving parent? The parent that tells their kids, "Do whatever you want, watch TV, eat. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you eat, just have a good time." Or the parent that goes, mm-hmm. uh, "Your bedtime is at eight thirty, and they mm-hmm. make healthy meals, and no, you can't have." You had candy today. You can't have candy again. And please, bro, like the the parent that is exercising proper authority over their child is the one that loves them, obviously. Yeah. So, like, I, I feel like that's a good analogy. Like, just just extend that out. Like, if you love somebody, you care about them. If you care about them, you don't let them uh, waste away into nothing by living in an environment where they're just free to continue in as much self harm as possible. Yeah, I mean that's not love, that's spoiling. You know, yeah. it's like when you when you give way too much, you know, basically okay, remember part of that is uh I said you know that that love and that it, it produces patience and self-control, and I call that low time preference. Yeah, it's it's like that it's not zero. It's you know, and it's not it's not high either. <laughs> it's not indulgent. You know, that you have on one side if you have given way too much, that's indulgence, that's not love. That's going to spoil the child. And whereas if you withhold way too much, like you give like zero, that's deprivation, yeah. you know, which is arguably as bad, if not worse. And yeah. what you really want is a happy balance in the middle. And 
that's the, I mean, that, and that's basically low time preference to where, to where, Hey, you are balancing this for the greater production later and yep. you're not taking it all away. That's again, that's deprivation, but you're giving it a balance, which is the low time preference, not the high time preference, high time preferences, you know, indulgence and consumption and that, you know, so like, yeah, you, you will, it, again, love naturally produces these things. These, these are the fruits of the spirit, you know, and part of that, one of the fruits of the spirit is or at least, well, two of them, if you put them together, is basically what low time preference consists of. By the way, I missed this comment from Joshua, but I, I really like that. Um, yeah, I think that 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 is definitely something that I have felt in my in, in my in my life experience. The more that I've drawn close to the Word and to God, is a, is a constant renewing of my mind and a con- and and sometimes you know it's like you you'll have I've had I've had experiences where I feel like oh wow I really got you know, like I've had a breakthrough in, in like spiritual understanding and stuff. And then a year later, it's just like, Oh wow. Like I thought I had it figured out. Nope. I'm still figuring it. And you just get to a point where you realize like, it's just, it's just God continuously like, well, so, you know, uh, what is it that actually makes you born again? It's, you know, you're born of water. That's the baptism. That's the physical part and the spirit. Remember that spirit is love. And, yeah. and so, and so you can't just like, Oh, well, I love someone one time and I'm done. Like no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like that love has to be growing within you. That is that yeah. again. It's like he who loves is born of God. That's like that. That's the born again right there. That's like is that is that being born of the Spirit that makes you actually born again, and that's a continual process. It's not like you love once and you're all done. It's like no, it's who continues to love. He who loves in the present tense. That's not loved. It's not he who loved is born of God. It's he who loves is born of God. Well, in the spirit of love, uh, both of us have wives that we might need to go and spend time with. So yeah. we're getting close to the two-hour mark. So it's probably a good, uh, g- good as time as any to, 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 to draw the conversation to a close. But, uh, but this was fantastic, man. I mean, we kind of covered everything I wanted to talk about in a way that that I felt was like we, we did it. We did mm-hmm. those concepts pretty good justice in two hours, I think. Yeah, because um, it's like I love these non-political discussions. I feel oh, like yeah. this is where the real meat of our, of our you know of our interests are. This is like this is what's where it starts, and or at least where it ought to start for a whole lot more people. And yeah, yeah it's like this. This was great. I can't wait to promote this one. Awesome, cool. Well, for uh, for for my listeners, for anyone who hasn't you know followed you yet, you know, uh, please please uh, tell everybody where they can find you if they want to uh watch your content or support what you do you can find me at popular liberty underscore on twitter you can find me at popular liberty on youtube and if you want to join in this discussion you know that you can join my supporting listeners group at uh subscribestar.com forward slash popular dash liberty and this is a you know this is where we get a lot of these discussions yeah for sure uh andrew again great having you on we'll definitely do it again sometime thank you everybody who uh watched and participated it's always a lot more fun when we got people in the comments uh uh you know giving us giving us some comments to kind of like you know uh build the conversation up and uh did you guys talk about the gays uh yes yes we talked about we got there yes You you had you had way too low of a time preference, Mark. Okay, you you were you, your time preference was so low you missed the entire thing. <laughs> You're gonna have to play catch up there, buddy. This is not two X. All cool. right, all right. Thanks again, Andrew. Thanks everybody for watching, and until next time.
Don't fear the fire. Bye-bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.